Well, Pastor Terry, glad to be having this conversation with you on Talking Church today. Yeah. Uh, excited to, to chat. We, uh, I worked with you under you for four years in yep. 20 plus. Best adults. years of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Best years of your life. <laughs> and uh, you're our next-gen pastor overseeing um, youth, young adults, yep. and uh, kids, and RVLI, and yeah. among other things. And yep. next-generation expert, you serve on a lot of next-gen boards. Um, you do a lot of fun things. Yeah, yeah. But, I got the best job in the world. Yeah. I, honestly, I love anything that has to do with the next-gen. I feel like culture changes on the backs of the next generation. Like, let's be honest, nobody's going into nursing homes to see what's new and what's next. <laughs> it's with the next generation and everything is marketed and developed for them. And so I'm really passionate about that. I think if you want to change culture, you engage the next generation. Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously we're diving in it's, uh, Gen Z it has changed a lot. Yes. Yeah. Since, you know, I think e even hearing a lot of pastors will mention, you know, millennials and, and I think even defining that it's like, well, not around 1995, 96, 97 is generally when a lot of researchers will, uh, which is funny, like who decides yeah. that? But right. um, so I'm right in the middle of that. I was born in 96. And so mm -hmm. I'm Gen Z right on the border. Yep. Um, but a lot of people are saying, oh, those millennials, like millennials are at, like the youngest millennials, like 26, 27. Yeah. And that's you generous. Know? They're yeah, looking exactly. more like older Gen Zs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. And so, so for me, it's like, I'm right there on the edge of it, but that, that would be the very youngest. So when you're talking about youth students, you're talking about young adults, college students, it's yeah. all Gen Z. Yeah. And so it's totally different. What, what have you seen as, I mean, obviously diving into generational theory, but it's, what have you seen yeah. that is the, the biggest difference we're now seeing from 10 years ago, college students and, and maybe juniors and seniors in high school to which, which to me, I think for a lot of pastors listening, that's where they're being aware of. Not, not that junior high students are yeah, not important. Yeah. That's a totally different culture, by right. the way. But for a lot of people listening, they're pastors and they're leading and leaning in and saying, we now have 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds coming into quote unquote big church yeah. who are, have a totally different mindset. Absolutely. 100%. You know, Gen Z is a disruptive generation. Generation. They're by far the most numerous generation, most populous. They're most uh, um, innovative, entrepreneurial generation. They're the most ethnically diverse generation in mm -hmm. history. And, um, and because of that, they carry some expectations with them that previous generations didn't carry. So they're disruptive. But not only that, they themselves have been disrupted by pandemics, by politics, by social injustice, by by uh, vaccines, by masks, you name yeah. it, whatever the conversations go, Gen Z itself has been cut in half. So older Gen Zs even look different than younger Gen Zs. Sure. Before it was like boomers to Gen Xers. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I don't understand. Now it's older Gen Zers to young Gen Zers. And I think to your point, so there's a few big things to keep in mind when we're talking about Generation Z and especially older ones. Um, one thing is that they're a generation of publishers and not consumers, okay? I mean, sense of assembly line in the industrial age. Um, up until the smartphone, everything was built for the consumer. Uh, and the end goal was to get people to consume your product. But now you have people consuming a product and then publishing their thoughts, whether it's posting, retweeting, liking, commenting, sending a meme, showing somebody something on your phone. You're, you're externalizing something you just internalized. Mm. And by and large, our churches are built for consumers. And so we see a lot of people, you know, Barna came out with a stat saying by like 2030 x millions of young people will have left the church right and i was in a conversation where i said well where are they going and he said it's a great question because we're finding that they're not just 
leaving the church. They're just leaving your church. Hmm. And the reason they are is because we are creating a context that they no longer can process in. And so I think as we're looking at those older Gen Zers, we're looking at a generation of publishers and we have to ask ourselves, how can we put the conversation into their hands rather than the pulpit being the expert on everything? What do you think is the the best way to maybe do that practically? Because I think for a lot of pastors, they're saying, yeah. I love the idea of giving the quote unquote mic to yeah. young people, but there is a reality to the you know, lack of wisdom, you know, I was reading in Proverbs yesterday and it said, um, you know, the youth, the youth lack wisdom and start walking down the dark path. Right, right. It's like the youth lacks wisdom, but For they have sure. this, this intentionality and excitement around, you know, what God is doing. So how, how do you think, you know, young adults, youth students, how can um, pastors who maybe just aren't, oh, we'll give them youth group. Yeah. Can, can help those people publish in the right way. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think sometimes, and I love that you said it, so I'm going to put a little bit of a challenge here to um, anybody listening. If immediately when I said, you know, you got to give them a chance to publish and service, you thought, and I'm glad that you said this, Logan, you thought of giving them a stage and a microphone. That's like the lowest form of leadership, okay? We don't. We want to think of other ways to give people ownership. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest ways that we can do that practically without changing and blowing up the whole model of church on a weekend is we can help them to wrestle, lead them into a wrestling match rather than leading them into answers. Hmm. You know, every great identity change in the Bible is preceded by a great wrestling match, literally with Jacob. Yeah, They wrestled through a process until they came out with this new identity, Job, Abraham, walking until God showed him where he was going. He had to leave something first. So these wrestling matches are often something that pastors try to alleviate the congregation of by having an answer instead of leading them into those tensions where they have to go home and wrestle with God. And I think that comes out of an insecurity of a lot of leaders saying, well, if I don't give them the answer, how will they find it? But if I A, lead them to the Holy Spirit, B, put up good, great theological guardrails, and C, lead them into a great wrestling match with the Lord, they're always going to walk out with transformation. And I think if we spend too much time trying to answer and be the expert on something rather than leading them into a wrestling match, that's where we miss. And I think it's not so much the models that need to change as much as our approach needs to change. Mm, that's so good. I think I think for a lot of pastors too, and myself included, I feel like, well, I need to have the answer and I need to give the answer. But what I've found, especially with, with uh, the younger you go, the more they're willing to to put your feet to the fire in the answer. If you say like, this is what the Bible says about marriage, mm-hmm. they're they're willing to ask the next question. Yeah. Whereas maybe previous generations would say, okay, that's what the Bible says about cool. marriage. The, well, wh- what does the Bible say about this? Well, what is yeah. marriage? What is that? What's, you yeah. know, and, and it's question after question and they don't feel it as disrespectful or dishonoring. Not at all. And that's something that I think is really hard too from a generational gap is it's not disrespectful or dishonoring to ask questions. Now mm-hmm. there is a way you can ask questions totally. that is disrespectful, yeah. but I found for people who are asking questions, I've had to change because I feel like even though I am Gen Z, I feel like I've had a lot of influences from Gen X and my parents and people yep. really the, culturally, I feel like I'm kind of stuck in the middle a little bit, but I've had to learn that people asking questions is not wrong. It's not even, it's not even right. that they doubt. And I think sometimes doubt is a good thing, right. but they're saying why, like you can't yeah. get away with, this is what the Bible says. Yeah. Well, no, show me like yeah. I, the, there's so much out there now mm-hmm. that you can't just get away with this one verse is no, let's look right. at the whole thing. Let's look right. at, let's dive deep. And I think that's a, an encouraging thing for pastors. It's maybe scary, but mm-hmm. we were talking about this a few weeks ago. Young people actually want more theological depth. Yeah. Are we prepared right. to go there? Right. I think, oh boy, 
there's so many layers here, but I want to, I think we are prepared. I think some of us are prepared to go there. Sure. I, I believe the attractional model that mm-hmm. emerged, you know, lower light, lower lights, different stage production, yeah. coffee, all that other stuff was wonderful and it had its day. But I think the attractional model winning the day is gone. Mm-hmm. And I think coming back from COVID, pastors who got to where they were on the attractional model are doubling down on something that's not attracting the next generation. Hmm. Because it's not that. It's not a place where you can will attract you and you're going to feel like this is a cool space that's going to keep you there. But it's going to be a space where you can talk and have your questions answered. Yeah. And you look at people like, okay, there was a great study that was done and released um, shortly after George Floyd, which just happened 20 minutes from here, right? Yeah. Um, and it was the difference between millennials and Gen Zers when they march, whereas millennials had opinions and thoughts and ideas. Gen Zers were marching to discover what their opinions were, hmm. to explore what their ideas were, to hear from these other things. And, and sometimes we see it when they post, we'll see a, a Gen Zer, a younger one, especially will post something to discover. And so we might say, man, that, that person's an idiot. I can't believe they take that stance. Are you sure they're taking that stance? Are you wow. sure that, or are they looking for feedback? And too many people in the church write off the next generation and write off key individuals who are simply exploring by using social media as a sounding board huh. rather than as a place to put up on a bulletin board. Like they ain't nailing it to the door like Martin Luther. They're saying, this is what I'm exploring. And oftentimes if they get too much negative feedback, they no, don't adopt an opinion because of negative feedback. So we have to be wow. salt and light. Yeah. We have to be salt and light and we have to speak into those places and we have to ask questions of the questions. And it's not so crazy because when you look in the Bible, Jesus was asked a ton of questions, asked a ton of questions, but he only answers three directly in the gospels. Question asking was so, so much a part of Hebrew culture in the day. They, in, in synagogues, they would ask a question of the question until the answer became apparent to all. And here we are full circle. Everybody's like, I, can't, I wish we were like Acts 2 church. Well, here we are folks. Yeah. We are here and everybody's asking questions of the questions and we have to become excellent at doing that rather than rather than making an indictment against the individual for exploring um, a perspective by simply posting it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what you said there is, I, I mean, that's, I'm like processing that because it's so rich, full of so many things. You, you know, you said there's all these trails you go on, but I mean, clarifying that and, and emphasizing that, that young people what they post, what they communicate, what they share isn't necessarily what they believe. And and I think for so many people that is so contradictory to to the way they handle right. social media, to the way they handle something is if I put my name on it, that means that I've I've you know, I've gone through it, I've gone through mm-hmm. the the uh, consequences, mm-hmm. the, all the different angles. Whereas young people are like, "No, I grew up with the delete button. Yeah. You can delete a comment. You can delete a post. You yep. can do that. Like I can change my opinion. I can wipe it clean. I can delete my account. Yeah. Like I can do whatever. And it's yep. like, I'm seeing what it is. And you look at, you know, young people with, whether it be sexuality, whether it be um, theology or yep. all these things, it's I'm going to throw it out there. And then when they're met with vitriol, they go, they take note yep. and they say, huh, when I said this, people were angry. Well, who was angry? Yeah. Because also they're met with, I was met by these people that were filled with love and joy and peace and amazing fruits of the spirit, but they don't even yep. love Jesus. Yep. And then these people over here that love Jesus, they were met me with anger and frustration and confusion. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that what they w- were doing wasn't right. sinful or wrong. Right. But they're testing the waters. It's like kind of like a little kid where they go up and they reach for the stove and you're yep. like, don't do that. And they're like what if I do? Yeah. And I think for so many people, it's, yeah. it's, we need to recognize as leaders, are they 
testing us yeah. as as kids, mm-hmm. or is it truly what they believe? Because if you look at, I mean, you look mm-hmm. at what a kid believes in the course of their life in junior high. Yeah. I mean, they can be a different person completely from sixth grade to eighth grade. Absolutely. And so think of those older Gen Zers coming into your church, 19 to 26 year old, years old, and they're still asking those same questions. But, but if you ask a question or you state something and it's testing the waters and somebody jumps down your throat, mm-hmm. is it any wonder they'd walk out of the church? Yeah. Is it any wonder that like, I like to, I like to poke the bear when I post. I don't know if I believe some of the stuff I post on the halftime, but I want to <laughs> see what people say. Yeah. And I'm Gen X. Yeah. Like imagine. Well, you wish you were Gen, Gen Z, Z, I think. Bro, bro. Gen Z looks like Gen X. Forget millennials. I'm playing. But like, think about it. Like, think about if I'm willing to do that, how much more are, yeah. is Gen Z willing to explore by putting that out there? Where do you think OK Boomer came from? Yeah. The whole phrase OK Boomer is from people jumping down their throat when they're simply looking for things. Yeah. And we feel like we got to meet it with like intensity and passion instead of going on a journey with them. I mean, we got to pastor people. We got to lead people more like a Sherpa and less like a tour guide. We Mm got to stop taking Gen Z saying, this is it. This is what you have to believe. Look at this, adhere to that. And we need to say, let's take you on a journey. We're going to wander these hills. We're going to go through scripture. We're going to let the Lord talk to you. And we have to be comfortable with that and not insecure about the journeys that people take. Well, and I think what's so significant about that is it's do you have trust in the message and do you have trust in our God mm-hmm. that he will speak to them mm-hmm. and that they will have the revelations? Like if we believe like, like the, the most confident things that I believe in scripture, there are a lot of things that I'm still wrestling with, you know, someone even 25 yeah. in ministry credentials, all that. There's a lot of theological things that I'm still wrestling with that, I'm, sure. that are open handed to me, but the ones that are not are the things that have been revelations from God have been moments that he's spoken mm-hmm. to me, that I've seen it, that I've learned it. I've also studied it too, but it's that combination. And I think the expectation that a 17, 19, 21 year old that gets a million miles an hour of information mm-hmm. thrown at them every day on mm-hmm. social media, in, in class, everything, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden, that if we say it once from the pulpit, it's gonna get through their heads. I mean, they're, they might not have even heard what you said. Right. And I think that's where right. sometimes it's like, well, they're not listening. Do, do you know that they even heard you? Right. Like they, they might have been on their phone. They might have been this. And that's why I think it's cool that we're using different mediums to reach young people. But it's, I, th- I think we take it personally yeah. that oh, our young people aren't following. It's like, well, maybe you should ask them yeah. and say, hey, help. Like, d- what do you think of that? Yeah. What do you mean? I didn't even hear you. Oh, so you didn't even hear what I said. So yeah. it's not that you're trying to rebel. You just didn't even hear what I said. Exactly. I think it's important, and I think it's important to create those atmospheres where we can get feedback. Leaders say we love feedback. We don't love feedback unless it's amazing, right? Sure. And so I think it's important to create spaces, whether it's within small groups, whether it's in informal spaces like before and after service in the lobby. I mean, don't sleep on the lobby before and after service. People can get saved there. They can get healed there. They could come to new realizations in those spaces. Mm -hmm. And they're a lot less formal, so people have their guards down a bit more. Yeah. And so I think we need to capitalize on some unique spaces where people can ask those questions and know that it's okay to go on those journeys. Totally. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm processing so much. I'm, I'm, I want to like take notes right now as we're doing this, but the other day, uh, a few weeks ago, we were at a a, Mm -hmm. a conference and it was mostly young leaders. Um, you know, you were kind of helping, I joked, I said, are you, are you one of the young leaders? (laughs) Are you one of the mentors? You're like, I don't know. I'm in the middle, Um, but I'm here. And, um, you know, we, we, 
it was all different denominations, yeah. different people, did, probably like what, 25, 30% pastors and the rest were like musicians and influencers, you know, influencers. social media, yeah. authors. Yeah. And, and we were talking about that in processing because what was interesting to me is I was not once asked what denomination I was from. Mm-mm. And that was the first church retreat. And I know mm-hmm. it wasn't all pastors. It was the first church retreat that I've been at where I wasn't asked what denomination. And the reason why we ask that question yeah. is we want to fill in the gaps. Oh, Absolutely. you're assemblies of God. Well, you're this, you're that, initial physical evidence, you know, you're that, mm-hmm. drinking, all those things. Yep. Or, oh, you're that denomination. I'm going to do boom, boom, boom. We fill in the gaps. Yep. What I noticed is young people, they were like, I, let, tell me who you are. Mm-hmm. Let me discover mm-hmm. who you are. I don't need to come, like yep. denomination isn't yep. a question. Now, it doesn't mean it's not valuable to be a part of a denomination right. and know the history of it. But it was so interesting. And that was one of the big things that stuck out to me was that wasn't a topic of conversation. And I wonder if we've been keeping like, I mean, Jesus was a topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. What is your, you know, devotional life? All those things, things that are important. But sometimes we hold so strong to our traditions yeah. and our um, experiences with this is what we are that I think we make a statement that is, okay, well then, you don't even need to discover who I am right. because I've already right. told you everything with this one name. And that's why young people hate Republican yeah. and Democrat names. Like, don't, no, 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 don't put, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not those things because they're saying yeah. you can't label me with that. Cause I'm not all those things. Right. Doesn't mean I don't believe in, in, uh, these issues, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be associated with that because yep. that's disgusting to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think in the same thing, denomination, not quite the equivalent of politics, yeah. But people are like, whoa, whoa, time out. Don't define me mm-hmm. by all the beliefs because I'm still right. discovering some of those. Right. Yeah, I think it's important. You know, when we were there, uh, the conversations to your point is like, tell me who you are. And the second piece is, what have you contributed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so many times at denominational and pastoral circles, we think our name, the name of our church, or even sometimes a clout that can go before a leader is enough. Sure. But this generation being one of publishers is like, but what are you contributing? What brings you here? What got you the invite into this place? Yeah. And how can I meet you at the level of what matters to you? That's so important. Totally. How can I meet you on a level that matters to you? Because you'll contribute what matters. And I love that in this space, you're not defined by political affiliation. You're not defined by across denominational lines, but often with the next generation, you're defined by what you contribute and why that's meaningful to you. Mm. And it's not like, well, I'm going to devalue you like it was with Gen X. Sure. But it's, I'm going to learn how to value you and give you my perspective as well. Totally. And it becomes a dialogue. And so if we walk into those spaces, especially with the next generation thinking, you need to adhere so I can put you in a box, we lose them and we leave the conversation at a surface level. So I think everything you said is so spot on. And at that conference, it was so refreshing to be able to hear people through the lens of what, they contribute and how that's meaningful for them. Yeah. I think the challenge that we're going to have to wrestle with as the church in a, you know, postmodern world, I guess some would debate whether we're that America is postmodern or not. Post truth. Yeah. Um, is there are good people that we disagree with. Mm -hmm. And I think that I see that as, as someone again, who's is Gen Z, but, but I see in friends and especially friends that are younger is, how they reconcile with good people mm-hmm. when you have pastors and leaders who I think are saying rightly, you know, mm-hmm. our religion, we believe Jesus is the, the way, the only way Absolutely. to heaven. So it's how do I reconcile that there are good people yeah. that you think are going to hell? Yeah. Well, 
it has to be rooted mm -hmm. in truth. It can't be rooted yes. in opinion. It can't be rooted in politics. Yep. It can't be rooted in anything. It yep. has to be rooted in the truth to say, even good without God, I, I think John Bevere wrote a book, yeah. God, but it, it like, I sense that even in that circle of Christians, it's, I care about the good that you're doing right? rather than I care about the, all the, the baggage that you have. Mm -hmm. What is something you've seen, obviously here at River Valley overseeing the, the generational ministries, mm -hmm. what is something you've seen that's maybe been an effective strategy as, as we pastor young people in that mm -hmm. area? Because I'm sure you get that question a lot from yeah. you students. Hey, I'm trying to live out my faith, but none of my friends are Christians anymore. Yep. Whereas the the pastors pastoring them never knew what that was like to have no one in their school. Right. I remember one girl, she said, hey, I'm the only girl in my class who identifies as cisgender. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say that to someone who's who's older, they're like, what What does cisgender mean? Yeah. You know, yeah, but yeah. she says, I'm the only one who's, who's cisgender in my class. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's uh, define that for the listeners. Yeah. Cisgender would be that it's the, the way that you were Born, born and your cisgender matches your biological sex or your yep. gender matches your biological gotcha. sex. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting because I think a lot of pastors are spooked by, um, by having conversations around absolute truth according to the word of God, mm. because we're afraid that we're going to offend. And the same individuals who had a lot of, um, a lot of indictments on the seeker sensitive movement are becoming seeker sensitive because they don't want to be a trigger word and they don't want to be canceled. Mm. You know, and so because of that, you have a lot of people saying, well, how do I, how do I get a generation that my man, we're living post-truth where people are saying truth is relative and fake news is my news. Sure. You know, I mean that we're living in a post-truth culture and what we cannot shy away from as believers, what we cannot shy away from as leaders is the truth of God. What we must get better at is not weaponizing the truth of God, mm. because we have a lot of many movements out there in the capital C church today that are weaponizing the truth and cramming it down people's throat and creating marginalizations for people. And they feel like I can't get in. Mm -hmm. And I think what's vital that we do is we say, this is the truth of God. And I know you're not here. You might on a scale, if, if, if receiving Christ and accepting this as truth is a number one on the scale, you might be at negative 10, <laughs> but I'm not going to reveal the truth when I get you to zero. I'm going to disciple you into Christ yeah. and I'm going to start with the truth. You're going to wrestle with it. I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to wrestle with you. We're going to do this together and I'm going to lead you to this point, but I'm not going to do it on my timeline. This is between you and God and I get a chance to be a part of your journey. And that is the most important thing because we freak out when people say, I disagree. I don't believe Jesus is the way, the truth and life, but I still love your church and I'm still going to come. That drives us nuts. That skews all of our numbers reporting and everything else. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, I think we have to get to a place where we're not weaponizing the truth, but we cannot shy away from it. Yeah. And we have to understand how to talk about it because I believe there are too many leaders that are fully equipped to reach a generation that no longer sits in their seats. Hmm. And if we use strategies and models and approaches to reach the, a generation that no longer sits in our seats, we're going to see the, those sitting in our seats leave. Yeah. And so we have to learn that like, I know that I, like even growing up when I was younger, everybody was a quote unquote Christian nominal at best. Sure. Yeah. Everybody was. And today, like 40 years later, 42 years later, it's totally different. Mm -hmm. It's radically different. And I think to your point, it's going to be radically different in another 40 years. Yeah. We have to be excellent and not weaponizing the truth of God and, but speaking the truth in love and journeying with people. Yeah. And I think, <clears throat> you know, it's, um, history repeating itself. It's, it's, you know, you know, your history, so you don't repeat it, but you look at we're 
I don't know what most researchers would say, maybe 20 years behind Europe, 30 years behind Europe from a cultural standpoint, maybe it's less than that now, but mm -hmm. um, you look at Europe and the church in Europe is, mm -hmm. is a shell of what it is in America, you know? Yeah. Do you see that, like when you look ahead to the, the 40 years from now, mm -hmm. obviously mm -hmm. we don't want to say, we see Europe, which is the church is a shell, but yeah. if we stay the same way, and have the, I mean, you go to the, see the big cathedrals in Europe that are the most beautiful things that are tourist attractions. Yeah. They don't actually have people in them anymore. Right. You know, what, right. what do you see? I mean, it's kind of like the church I see, what is it? Obviously it's a big question, mm -hmm. but in the next 20, 30, 40 years, as these people become adults and have children of their own and, and generations are shifting and changing, yeah. obviously it's hard to foreshadow what the, what the Gen Z's kids are going to look like, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. But what, but what do you see that, that, that we can maybe take away from? It's incredible. Um, I love that you say that because right now there's people saying, okay, the, the generation that comes after Gen Z is Gen Alpha. And we're starting to label generations like the hurricanes. When we run out of letters, we go to Latin or something, Greek. Um, I like to call them generation plus, you know, LGBTQIA plus, Disney plus, everything plus. Oh, sure. There is a multitude of perspectives and it's not clean cut anymore. Yeah. And so you I almost think, can't label generations anymore is kind of what you're saying. You can't because yeah. I think what we're going to see with this generation Z being split in half with disruption, I think we're going to see that year by year with future generations. With that in mind, I also think that because we've seen more disruptions happen with Gen Z than we have in the last hundred years collectively, I think we can expect that to happen more. So really predicting the future is going to be hard. What I can say with confidence is it's not going to look like Europe because Europe became post-Christian during a time, 80s, 90s, all the other things, 70s, 80s, 90s, and a time where we became very political with our faith in America. Mm. And so the way it became post-Christian is very different than the way America will. You look at Asia-Pacific countries who never politicized their faith once, and you look how the church is flourishing in a different direction. Mm -hmm. So I will say this with full confidence, the church will be alive. What it'll look like might not be your favorite version of yesterday. <laughs> it will often look different and yeah. we have to be comfortable as leaders to navigate that future. I can also say this um, with excitement in my heart when it comes to what will the church look like in the future, it will be full of people who are natives to the conversations that we're wrestling with. Yeah, no, you're so like, right. We're digital. Uh, I mean, this generation, I'm not, this generation is a, our digital natives. They were born with a phone in their hand. Mm -hmm. They don't have to wrestle with what does this mean for us or totally. well, how much is too much screen time. They figured it out, you know, in the same respect, we're going to have leaders that are going to become natives to these conversations. And I think one of the best things that we can do is we don't, we can't define what the container looks like. You can't, con but you can define the purity of what you fill it with. Yeah. And so I think you're going to have containers look quite different. I think if we would have showed people a tractional model church in the sixties, they would have lost their minds and said, God's not in it, along yeah. with God's not in drums and everything else. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, but today, I think we're, we're going to see versions of the church that we're fighting against, and you can't fight against the version. You just have to protect the purity of what's poured into it. That's and so, so it's going to look radically different. There's going to be diversity. I think the gaps on countries are going to close with this being a global culture, and we're going to see a global church unify. Mm -hmm. We're going to see revival in the streets before we, uh, in the marketplace in the streets before we see it in the four walls of a church again, mm. church building again. And I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited about it. I'm excited about those who are going to navigate it. Yeah, I think um, what what's curious to me what you mentioned, you know, about the you know, even the the generations being so close together yeah. and just the the differences that we're we're seeing in them, but the the native conversation, you know, that yeah. that one stuck out to me. And I think 
when when I'm having conversations with other people my age, bringing up like I think even growing up, if you brought up sexuality or politics or things, that was kind of like whoa, bro. whoa, whoa, why are you going there, bro? Now. It's not even like out of bounds. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, tell me what you think about it. Oh, totally. Like, it's super important. I mean, yeah. obviously, you have young people. Hey, here are my pronouns. It's, I mean, mm-hmm. to think about that 20 years ago, it's no, you, if you were another sexuality, you wouldn't even mention it. Now it's no. you're leading it with it in your Twitter bio. And it's like, yeah. it's, it's different. And so I think for people who maybe are not used to having those native conversations, yeah. it's just like a smartphone, like you said, yep. you're going to get behind. And so, which I think is encouraging, though, because again, yeah. We have the answers. Like, I don't feel like, I mean, the Bible's written, you know, for 100%. us. 100%. And so I just think it's so interesting to see that, you know, you, you, growing up, it's like, oh, when do you have to talk with your kids? You can't Social do that anymore. Social media had it. YouTube yeah. already had it. But it's really yeah. when you need to live a culture with your kids and your yes. family and youth. It, it Sexuality cannot be a one conversation between a father and his 13-year-old mm-hmm. son anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it has to yeah. be... A, a part of of who we are. Our, yeah. What's our identity in Christ? What is the image of God? You know, what is he? What has he taught us to be? Help me understand Scripture from a young age. And again, that that blows up Sunday school. Right. That blows up all these things. I'm not saying that we should try and put health class in in public schools into you know church on Sundays. Right. But I do think there's a reality to. Mm-hmm. You can't. You have to have these conversations younger and younger because they're having them with or without you. And wouldn't Absolutely. we rather have pastors and leaders mm-hmm. who are theologically trained and who are spirit led mm-hmm. and who are are filled with revelation from God mm-hmm. being in those meetings? Or do we just want our health teachers and uh, our people who are you know atheist and agnostic mm-hmm. and and Buddhist and Muslim and all these mm-hmm. people to say, hey, we're going to get in the in the conversation, yep. but we're going to wait till the thirteen? Yep. Yeah, no, I hear I hear you. I think to your point, you know, it says in Chronicles when it speaks of the sons of Issachar. You know, this isn't a uh, a verse you get tattooed on yourself, but it's a verse that says, and God raised up the sons of Issachar who could understand the times that they were living in and help Israel understand the course for what it it should Mm. take. And we have a generation of leaders that are the sons of Issachar, Mm. individuals helping us to not only exegete the word, but exegete culture. And as parents and as leaders, we have to be great at not only helping people understand the word, but helping them to discern culture. And you have a place as a leader, as somebody anointed by our Lord, you have a place to help the body of Christ exegete and understand culture, helping them understand when culture says this, this is what does work according to the word of God. And this is what doesn't work. You have that authority and you have that ability. How we do it matters the most. Wow. Well, I don't think there's a better thing to end on. There you go. But, that was an amazing conversation. I feel like we're going to talk more about this. I'm processing it. I'm chewing on it. I'm going to re-listen to this again, but I I know there was so much that was covered, but I feel like this sets the table so well for people. And again, we're not the, the experts on this. We're not perfect by any means. You know, there's things that, that we we need to learn and grow, but I do think that there is a, a a thread through this generation Mm -hmm. that is changing. And that if we can be a part of that conversation and get a hold of that, of conversations and and carry things open-handed but yep. leading with truth but carrying them with humility totally i think that i do think that the generation is going to see that the church is the way because mm-hmm. the the rest of the world it's not it's not living up to the hype right and they're recognizing that and they're searching totally. for something else and they're going to find it in sex and drugs and alcohol yeah. and other things but they can find the 
again, the truth and the way, it's, it's the same thing that yes. people of other generations had, but I think we now have a generation that didn't have it at the start, mm-hmm. and so they're finding it later in life, which mm-hmm. I think is going to create even better disciples, stronger apostles, people who are sold out for their faith, yep. but it's up to us to say, hey, are we going to be the hands and feet, and are we going to yep. be willing to have the tough conversations? So. Without a doubt, we are, with a, we are in the midst of a world that lives their life screen deep. And we have something significantly more substantial. Let's not shy away from bringing it to them and serving it up to them on a weekly basis. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Terry, thank you so much. Thank you, man. It was awesome. It's awesome. I love this.